everybody, and welcome to the Trial Talk podcast. I am Berta Tarre Torres, a former researcher and one of the science communications officers at the Emerson Clinical Trials Unit at UCL. In this new series of the podcast, we are taking an in-depth look at our latest clinical trials by hearing from world-leading clinicians and researchers. If you are interested in finding out how our research can help improving healthcare in the UK and around the world, this is your podcast. In the next two episodes, we will talk about neonatal sepsis and the Neosep1 clinical trial, which will be looking at different antibiotic treatments to improve survivals of babies with sepsis. In this first episode, we will explore the threats of antimicrobial resistant infections in babies and the challenges of treating neonatal sepsis. We will also discuss the results from NeoOps, a study that helps setting the ground for the Neosep1 trial. To find out more, we speak to Rinu Thomas and Audrey Baker, two experts from South Africa, and to Francesca Schiabone from the Emerson Clinical Trials Unit at UCL. Let's kick off then with the first question. What is neonatal sepsis? I ask Rinu Thomas, a neonatologist working at Chris Hanibery Wanath Academic Hospital in Johannesburg, South Africa. So it's it's basically neonatal sepsis is um, it's a systemic inflammatory response to an infection, usually caused by bacteria, a virus, or a fungus, and it it results in clinical manifestation as a result of the systemic inflammatory response, and it's in the neonatal period, so it's in the first 28 days of life. Neonatal sepsis is one of the major causes of mortality in babies. Every year, up to 3 million newborns get serious infections that result in sepsis, and more than 550,000 babies die from sepsis every year. But why is neonatal sepsis causing so many deaths? Audrey Baker, a neonatologist working at Tigeret Hospital in Cape Town, explains the different aspects that play part in this problem. I think it's very difficult to define neonatal sepsis, and I like to think of it as the patient, you know, the bug and the drug, um, because basically we are dealing with a population that is extremely vulnerable with a very immature immune um, system that stays in the hospital for a very long time. So they're very susceptible, first of all, um, to developing an infection. And then, you know, looking at the bug, it's often um, gram-negative organisms. Let's pause here for a moment to set some context about the bug. We know that sepsis can be caused by different types of bugs, but it's mostly caused by bacteria. Depending on the characteristics of their cell wall, bacteria are classified as either gram-positive or gram-negative. Gram-negative bacteria tend to be more resistant to antibiotics than gram-positive bacteria, and that's because they have an additional outer layer which protects them from the environment. And that extra layer makes them harder to kill. Gram-negative bacteria are an important cause of neonatal sepsis in low- and middle-income countries and they are associated with high rates of antibiotic-resistant infections. In some alarming cases, these infections are resistant to multiple antibiotics. Let's go back to Audrey and the characteristics of the bug causing sepsis in neonates. 
the bug. It's often um, gram-negative organisms, especially in low and middle income settings, with increasing um, antimicrobial resistance and then leading us into this problem of not having a drug that can adequately um, treat our babies and uh, the fear of that and using more broad spectrum, more powerful drugs um, to try and um, reduce mortality. Um, but at the same time, we need to have this balance of not overusing uh, what we have available because then we'll run out of all um, choices. And then just looking um, at the drugs and the treatment, um, we have very few antimicrobials available. Very few of the antibiotics have actually been tested in neonates, um, and we are lacking dosing as well for many of these drugs. When talking about the bug, Audrey highlights the issue of antimicrobial resistant infections. This is a big problem, as it means that the bug or the bacteria causing these infections are changing over time, developing the ability to resist the antibiotics that were designed to kill them. As Audrey said, the overuse of available antibiotics to treat neonatal sepsis is speeding up the process of these antibiotics becoming less effective. To provide some guidance on the appropriate use of antibiotics for common infections, the World Health Organization published the AWARE book in 2017. Renu talk us through the classification of antibiotics described in this book. So, um, so the WHO has basically classified antibiotics according to three groups. So we've got the active, we've got watch, and we've got reserve. Um, so that's the, all the antibiotics that fall under the active group, they are supposed to cover for the commonly seen um, neonatal pathogens, and they have less risk of developing antimicrobial resistance. And then you have the watch, which target slightly higher priority pathogens, but the risk of developing antimicrobial resistance in that group is higher. And then you have the reserve group of antibiotics, which is your last resort antibiotics. You should only be using them if you have no other option. And it's for your very high priority pathogens that are very drug resistant. Going back to neonatal sepsis, the World Health Organization recommends the use of the standard antibiotics, ampicillin and gentamicin, which sit under the access category of antibiotics in the AWARE book. However, these guidelines have remained unchanged over the past 20 years, and many of the organisms that cause neonatal sepsis are now resistant to ampicillin and gentamicin but they are also resistant to other antibiotics, in particular in low- and middle-income countries. And this results in very few antibiotics available for babies with sepsis. So how can we solve this problem? How do we improve treatment for neonatal sepsis? we hear from Audrey again. So I think there's a two-pronged approach which we need to take. Um, and the one is um, the better use of all the antibiotics. How can we repurpose them? How can we study them to try and see how if most efficient we can use them? And then at the same time, how can we try and access the new drugs that are in the pipeline um, for antibiotics for neonates? And how can we make sure that studies happen for these very small babies also with these new drugs so that our population do not remain behind and will also have access in future um, to the more powerful drugs, which we obviously 
um, need if we look at the high mortality that's associated with neonatal sepsis. Um, and that is going to be a huge challenge in, in middle income and low middle income countries because these drugs are extremely expensive. Um, and uh, we as a community, uh, we really have to lobby um, to, to make sure that we can also in specific circumstances access these drugs for difficult infections to, to treat babies better. To ensure better treatments, it is crucial to increase the variety of drugs available for neonatal sepsis. We've just heard that one way to do this is by developing new and more powerful drugs. Another way is by repurposing old drugs. But what do we mean by repurposing drugs? When we talk about repurposed drugs, we're bringing back drugs that were available uh, many years ago um, that um, have stopped being, um, being uh, put into use for various reasons. And many of these drugs are now off patent. So, you know, you can have companies, there's no restriction in terms of companies that can produce them. Um, and because they haven't been used for many years, they've actually retained their, their efficacy towards many of these um, multi-drug resistant organisms. So they still have broad spectrum of coverage um, because the, obviously they haven't been in use so the, the organisms haven't yet developed resistance against them. Taking back these older drugs could help improving treatment for neonatal sepsis, but they still need to be tested so that we understand if they are efficient and safe. For example, we need to carry out pharmacokinetic studies, or PK studies, which look at how a drug moves throughout the body and gives us information of the systemic exposure to the drug over time. So up to this point, it's clear that we need more clinical studies to treat neonatal sepsis. To understand why it is so difficult to work with babies, we asked our guests about the main barriers to run trials in this population. The first challenge is the diagnosis itself. Audrey and Renu explain why. One of the biggest challenges is that the gold standard for defining uh, making the diagnosis of neonatal bacterial sepsis is identifying the bacteria from the blood culture and the yield for that is extremely low it's between five and ten percent so apart from the definition um, being difficult um, it's also difficult to actually make the diagnosis as we do not have a very good um, diagnostics available it's difficult to do neonatal studies because the babies are so small, the blood volume of a small baby is often you know, between 60 to 80 mils per kilogram. Um, and you can imagine if you need to take blood samples for these drug levels, um, you can only take very small volumes, otherwise it would have an effect you know, on the baby and the baby's outcome. And just to add on to that, um... I think that with the diagnosis of neonatal sepsis, unlike with the adult population where I think it's a bit easier probably to diagnose because they tend to have more focal infections where you can say it's a urinary tract infection versus an abdominal um, cavity infection. Whereas in neonates, it's just very nonspecific and that makes the diagnosis of neonatal sepsis even harder because of its um, nonspecific presentation. 
Another challenge when running clinical trials in babies is getting consent from parents, as hospitalized parents are often under a lot of stress and they are worried about their baby's health. In these circumstances, they may be reluctant to give consent and refuse to allow their babies to take part in any experimental research. Finally, when designing and conducting trials in babies, researchers need to consider ethical and regulatory requirements, especially around safety and adverse events. Francesca Schiabone, the clinical project manager for Neocep1 at the MRC Clinical Trials Unit at UCL in London, talks about adverse events and how they can be difficult to measure in babies. So um, adverse events are defined as a medical occurrence, something that happens to a participant in a clinical trial. And generally those could be, by definition, either something that is related to the trial drug or, or not. The challenge that comes with recording and measuring adverse events in babies is the fact that there are some intrinsic differences in how babies work, in their physiology, and the fact that some of their uh, organ functions, like kidney functions, might not necessarily be uh, mature enough to really assess what is going on. Um, the drug is metabolized in a different way, and therefore there could be different type of adverse events that are seen in babies. And also, sometimes it just could be hard to measure uh, what is going on with that baby, because lab results and ranges tend to be tailored on adults rather than babies, and therefore it makes everything a little bit more difficult to interpret. After hearing about how difficult it can be to report adverse events, confirm the diagnosis and get consent from parents, we now have a better grasp of why improving the way we treat sepsis in babies is such a complex problem. But to get a better idea of the impact of these challenges in their daily jobs, we asked Rinu and Audrey if they could share the main difficulties they face in the hospitals they work at. Um, I think for me, um, so the hospital I worked work at is one of um, two tertiary care public sector hospitals. It's the second largest neonatal unit in South Africa, and Dirino works at the largest one. <laughs> and um, we basically, um, all the high-risk pregnancies are referred to us, um, and that basically results in a very large population of preterm neonates that we admit to our wards. And many of these very small babies stay in our ward for a very long time. If you're born at less than one kilogram, you can easily stay in a neonatal ward for up to three months. And I think, you know, that is one of the reasons also why they became colonized, become colonized so quickly with these organisms that are in the environment. Um, and then on top of that, with not a strong, you know, immunity to fight up infections, actually make them very vulnerable. So I think for me, there's a couple of things when we think of neonatal sepsis. The one thing is prevention. So there's definitely a lot that we need to do still to go into preventing these babies from having infection. And then, you know, diagnosing it, as we've mentioned already, and then if the, with the antibiotics that are available and that are becoming available, really generating the PK knowledge and dosing information that we need to optimize treatment um, for these babies. And then I, I think you can't separate this 
whole thing from um, antimicrobial stewardship. I think it is you know, absolutely key that as we start using more of the new drugs, whether it's old repurposed drugs or new drugs, it needs to come with um, very, very strict guidelines on when to use, when to stop treatment, so that we don't risk um, losing these antibiotics that we have not even started using yet. Yeah, I think I'll just echo what Audrey said, you know, so we are a very busy unit. And I think one of the, the biggest challenges we're dealing with, like she said, uh, uh, a population that's at very high risk of infection, and they have prolonged hospital stay, we're getting, we're getting things right in the first day or two of life, where we're saving them from their prematurity by giving them you know, non-invasive ventilation and ventilation surfactant. We're doing all that right. But um, it's heartbreaking when these babies then subsequently get an infection and um, die down the line, you know. So all the efforts in the first few days of life have actually come to vain. And I think, you know, the, with the type of organisms that we're seeing in our unit responsible for nosocomial sepsis, We've seen extremely drug-resistant organisms, okay? Um, sure. um, and we often do have to use these big-gun antibiotics empirically. And, you know, as much as we feel we're doing the right thing by starting them empirically because you want to make sure that you're treating them for the infection that they might have, it's always at the back of your mind that you are overusing these antibiotics. So it's just that balance of, you know, um, trying to save a life by, you know, um, providing that patient with what you feel is the appropriate antimicrobial for what you feel is the infection that that baby has. And then also the fear of actually overusing it and, and you know, causing resistance. And it's a constant battle, um, an internal battle, I think, that we face as clinicians. Reading on Audrey's words reflect once again the struggles that clinicians face when treating babies with sepsis, because although their decisions might save a life today, they could also result in more antibiotic-resistant infections in the future. The good news, though, is that there are exciting ongoing studies that are looking at how to best treat sepsis in babies in different circumstances. One example is the NEOPS study, which took place from 2018 to 2020. NEOPS was the first prospective study trying to describe neonatal sepsis. It looked at more than 3,000 babies in 19 hospitals from high, middle and low-income countries across four continents. Audrey talks about the NEOPS study in more detail. The purpose of the trial was just observational, so each site recruited around 200 babies, and it was to see how did these babies clinically present with neonatal sepsis. They also made sure that there was good microbiology support um, so that we could try and culture the organisms where possible. And then um, also what treatment, what antibiotic treatment um, was used um, for babies in different settings, because I think that's one of the big challenges with neonatal sepsis is that there are different organisms in different settings um, that cause the problem and what worked for one setting will not necessarily work for another. So the purpose of the NEOOP study was to get a re global representative idea of um, 
mainly low and middle income countries, also some high income countries, but to see how do babies present with them with neonatal sepsis. Neoops assessed how antibiotics are being used in these hospitals to treat neonatal sepsis and to what extent antibiotic resistant infections makes these treatments effective. But what did the study find? Rena walk us through the main results. One okay, one of the many key findings was first of all the the type of pathogens that are causing neonatal sepsis. I think the Neoops study showed us that actually um the pathogens causing both early and late onset sepsis were actually quite similar um and then the the patterns of antibiotic use it varied across all the different sites different uh, units were using different uh, antibiotic combinations and regimens and obviously guided by their local epidemiology um and what was interesting was that only about ampicillin and gentamicin which is supposed to be what's recommended as first line was only used in about 13% of cases. Neops showed that there was no consensus across hospitals about what antibiotics to use. The results also confirm the overuse of big gun antibiotics to treat sepsis in babies. These antibiotics, if you remember, are those sitting in the reserve group in the aware book, the ones that should only be used as a last resort for very hard to treat infections. From from the findings of the Neops, it's clear that um we are using um the big gun antibiotics for the empiric treatment of neonatal sepsis and if we continue to do so we're going to drive further resistance and we're going to reach a point where we don't we're not going to be able to treat infections in neonates anymore the neops study also led to the development of two scores the neosep1 severity score and the neosep1 recovery score Francesca explains the rationale behind these two scores. So the NEOSEP severity score, it's a, a score that takes into account some clinical parameters um, in a baby who's just been diagnosed with uh, a suspected uh, sepsis. Um, includes some clinical parameters like the body temperature or other uh, sort of clinical assessment that is done on the baby. And it's supposed to be helping us identifying those babies who have more severe sepsis and therefore they have an increased risk of mortality. The NEOSEP recovery score, on the other hand, is supposed to be a tool to help clinicians deciding when to change antibiotics. So, for instance, a baby might be put on a certain antibiotic regimen uh, to begin with, but they might not be getting better or they might be getting worse. And in that case, the recovery score gives the clinician an indication on when to switch, perhaps, antibiotics uh, with uh, a different course that might be helping uh, overcoming the uh, episode of sepsis. All the results from the NEOPS study are being used to inform the design of NEOSEP1, an upcoming trial in neonatal sepsis that will look at the safety and effectiveness of several antibiotic combinations in different settings. We will talk about the NEOSEP1 trial in detail in the next episode. But that's a wrap for today. Thank you very much, Renu, Audrey and Francesca, for joining us and for sharing your experiences. It's been a delight to have you in the podcast. And if you want to find out more about NeoOps, check our MRCCTU website or the Global Antibiotic Research and Development Partnership, GARDPR website. Also, follow us on Twitter at MRCCTU to stay up to date with our latest research. 
Thanks for listening and see you in the next episode of the Trial Talk.